Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Each and every day here on the Jeff Calkins Show, we welcome Chris Harrington to the program. Let's fire it up. Now, it's Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphian on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more. Presented by the Majestic Grill. We discover downtown dining. Chris Harrington on 92.9's Jeff Calkins Show. Chris, what are we listening to? It's uh, Get Out of Here by the Australian band TV Repairman, one of many uh, rock and roll bands that have descended upon Memphis from around the world this week for Gonerfest 20, which I read about this week. You can go read that. Which, which starts today. Starts today. That's in Midtown, correct? It's at Rail Garden. Rail the, Garden the, yeah. the official shows are at Rail Garden. Official shows at Rail Garden. Again, you can go read that over at the Daily Memphian. Chris also has a piece up on Grizzlies storylines. We'll get into that in just a minute, but let's start with the news from yesterday. Damian Lillard has indeed been traded, and and Chris, the first two letters of the city are MI, but it's Milwaukee, not Miami. When you looked at the deal in its totality, what were your reactions? Well, I was expecting a deal to happen before Monday because I just didn't think they would go into media day with this hanging over them. Um, I, you know, in the absence of any other knowledge, I sort of assumed Miami was most likely. Um, so Milwaukee was something of a surprise, but not like a total shock. There are people who had, who had talked about that as a possibility. Um, you know, I like it for Milwaukee. I, I don't think, I mean, I was, I, I don't know who I'm going to pick like to make it to the finals this year, but I might've picked Milwaukee before that trade and I might still pick Milwaukee after that trade. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a big Drew Holiday fan, and so um, you know the, what's the marginal you know difference in value from from Drew Holiday to to Damian Lillard, and then you factor in you know losing Grayson Allen, who was in, who who was actually a starter for that team. You know, I think you can debate both sides of it, but I think ultimately the value of Lillard's offense, I, I think. You know, on top of what that does for Giannis in terms of his happiness to be there, the value of Lillard's offense, I do think, raises the ceiling for them. Lillard's a bad defensive player. Like, like the, the gap between Drew Holiday and Lillard on defense is greater than the gap between them on offense. But the value of Lillard's offense at the highest level, and when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and, and Drew and, and um, Brook Lopez behind you defensively, and you have that kind of go-to shot maker, I do think raises the ceiling on the Milwaukee team, which, you know, they have to be in the, the upper crust of favorites to win the title. 
So in your mind, this does make them better? Yeah, I think it raises the ceiling. But again, I, I think that was a team capable of winning a title before the trade. Yeah. And so, you know, there are questions there. I mean, Lillard is 33 years old. He's a small guard. Um, he's missed a lot of games the past two years. So you're, you're banking on getting the best Damian Lillard come playoff time. Um, that team, team already had some depth issues, uh, and, and that made it a little bit worse. I sort of, on a local note, you know, we've sort of wondered a little bit here and there about what's going to happen to the Memphis product campaign, who's yeah. now a free agent. That team doesn't really have a backup point guard, and now they just opened a roster spot. Yeah. I, I got to think if I'm campaign's agent, I'm calling Milwaukee right now. Um, and there, so there are age questions, there's depth questions, there's health questions, there's all these questions. But if you go into the playoffs with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez healthy, you're going to be one of the best teams and maybe the favorite to win the title. How much of this, how much of this move by Milwaukee do you think is, is generated by the fact that like you're trying to keep Giannis for as long as possible and keep him as happy as possible? I mean, I, I think that's it, but I think that goes hand in hand. What makes him happy is is thinking that he has the best chance possible to win a title, which is sort of what you want as well as keeping Giannis. So it sort of goes together. But I do think, I think one of the potential pitfalls to walk for Milwaukee this season. Like I said, I may have, I may have picked them to win the title before this trade. Yeah. But one of the pitfalls was Giannis sort of feeling restless and unhappy, even though he's under contract. And does that gnaw at the edges of what you can accomplish? And I think this ends that for this season, presumably, as long as Damon Lillard's healthy. So I, I think this not only makes your team better at the highest end, it also makes your, your best player probably go into the season with even more you know, gusto than he would have otherwise, which has value on top of that. And so you know, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a slam, a slam dunk. This obviously makes you better because of who you gave up. But I think this was a, this was the right move for for Milwaukee to make, all things considered. I think the other thing is like watching the playoff series. You could tell against the Heat, a big problem that Milwaukee had was, rightly so, they're getting the ball to Giannis. But then yep. you had the hack of Giannis situation. I do think this greatly helps them late game because you can't just you know what I mean like you can't just go and foul. Giannis, because that was a huge part of why the Heat were able to have these massive comebacks is because essentially for like the last three minutes, the Heat are just fouling Giannis, and every time Milwaukee was basically getting one point each possession, like I do think it makes them better on that end. I don't know. Like I, I, my, my gut reaction was, though, like I'm just still not convinced that it makes them a better team, but at the same time, I thought everyone acted rationally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, this team won a title two years ago with Drew Holiday, and Drew Holiday was great in, in those playoffs. And this, this is a big, like I said, this is a bigger downgrade defensively than it is upgrade offensively. The bet is that the is that the value, those two things aren't equal in terms of the inherent value of the defense versus the offense. And as much as I'm a defensive partisan, I think that's right. I think the value of having an elite on-ball offensive player. Once you get to the deep, the deeper region, regions of the playoffs, is ultimately more valuable than having that elite backcourt defender. And so, and the fact that now Giannis can be like Giannis who won't necessarily be your best offensive option at the end of a game, like, like right. that's saying a whole lot. This is a guy who had fifty in a closeout game, um, and it's about you know let's see what kind of chemistry they can develop together. 
Now, Giannis, obviously, we talked about this earlier. Giannis is a very different player than Nikola Jokic, but they're probably the two best players in the world. And now you've sort of mirrored what Milwaukee has a little bit. It'll function differently because Giannis is not the playmaker that, that Jokic is. But you have an elite, you have one of the t- two best players in the in the world who are both bigs, essentially, and then you pair them with an elite shot-making guards and Jamal Murray and, and now Damian Lillard. And, like, you know, who knows what where we'll get in June. But if we get, you know, a matchup of the last two title teams in Milwaukee and Denver with those sort of player pairings at their cores – that could be a hell of a series if we get to it. Jeff asked me this question. I'm just, you know, I have as basic of a, you know, fundamental cap understanding or contract consequences. Does this make Giannis any more likely to sign the extension that is in front of him in your mind? I, I don't know. I mean, the thing about the, the whole Giannis extension thing, he's under contract for two more seasons before before his current contract ends. Right. And so – I, if you're Milwaukee, do you want to get an extension, like as soon as you know now, or what, or as soon as you're able to? Sure, but you still got you got him under contract for two years, and you got Lillard, I think, under contract for four. But for the next two seasons, those two guys are under contract together. And if I'm Milwaukee, my biggest focus is on trying to win a title the next two years. And yes, do I want to keep Ink Giannis for longer than that? I do. But at some point, it's going to end and you're going to rebuild. And I, I'm more focused on competing for a title right now than I am worried about three, four years from now. And so does it make it more like a heating extension? Yeah, but I don't know that it, that it seals the deal. I also don't think that that, that, that that is the ultimate determinant of whether this was a success. Success is not the, – the primary determinant of whether this trade was is a success is not getting an extension from Giannis. It's winning another ring with Giannis. Yeah, and, like, that was kind of the other aspect for me. It's like, I don't know, there might be, like, when we talked about Dylan last year, you know, would the Grizzlies offer him an extension? And even though it hasn't been reported, we suspect that they did. That was a reasonable thing to do. It was reasonable for Dylan to not accept the extension, look at the contract he's got. Like, I would presume for Giannis, waiting around is not going to be an irrational decision. Like, I don't think it's necessarily spitting in the face of Bucks fans if he makes a reasonable decision, which is, I'm just going to kind of wait and see how this plays out. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I again, I, I, to me, to me, this somewhat lowers the temperature on the question of his extension. Um, even even if he does, even if he doesn't sign it, even if, if you kick the, tank, the can down the road on that. Um, again, I, I, I think that the the number one thing for Milwaukee right now is you trying to get a second ring while you have Giannis and you got two seasons of these two players together to try to make that happen. And maybe you got more than that, but you got two. What did you make of the deal for, for Phoenix? I don't, I don't like, I didn't like it at all at first blush and I still don't like it, but the more I sort of get into it, the more I sort of shrug at it a little bit. I think clearly they decided that it was so bad internally with Aiton that they just had to get rid of Aiton. Like, like we, we didn't get the Shams tweet, but this was a under no this was a yes. under no circumstances we're bringing him back situation. Um, and, and, but instead of free agency, it had to be via trade. Like there was already the reports that they they would have traded him to Dallas for like Rashawn Holmes and Tim Hardaway, and they couldn't get that done. So I think clearly they decided we just have to hit the eject button before we go into the season for you know. And and they needed depth, and so they got depth. They, 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 in terms of use of Durkic, he has not been the player 
he had he had a pretty big leg injury a few years ago, and he has not been the same player since then. I have no reason to believe he's going to get back to being the player he was before. He is bigger, like in terms of bulk and size, than Aiton. He has history with Nikola Jokic. Maybe you tell yourself that that if you get into a playoff series, so we saw what Jokic did to Aiton. Maybe, maybe for some reason Nurkic gives you a better chance in that situation. But you add a couple of of. of you know, I think middling bench players, but maybe middling is an upgrade for that team. Well, that was kind of my thought. Is like they, they were so bad on the bench that, like, my first reaction right. was like, okay, their clear deficiency to me was like, I thought their bench is horrible. It seemed to me like the ship had sailed with eight, and it's like, I think they got better, but like, I understood why people were like, what are they doing here? Yeah, the only thing is, like, like you had Grayson Allen, but that's like the last kind of bench player I think they needed to add because they'd already signed Eric Gordon. You know, I mean, and so there's a lot of duplication there with those two guys. I I think maybe a little, you know, helps them more. Um, You know, I I don't love it. If you stipulate that they just decided they had to hit the eject button on eight and now before the season started, I understand it. But I still think they lowered their ceiling a little bit relative to – the possibility of getting better out of DeAndre Ayton. Remember, DeAndre Ayton two years ago, that team went to the finals, and he averaged something like 16 and 12 in the playoffs. Um, and so, I, to me, I would have rather have given him a given him a chance with a new head coach to get him back on track. But if they'd made some internal determination, they just could not do that, and they had to move him. Then I understand it. But I, I don't think it. I don't think that. I don't think that's a deal that raises the ceiling on the Phoenix Suns. What did you think of the return for Portland? I, well, I think it's ultimately to be determined because of they're going to flip Drew Holiday, but I, I think they're going to flip Drew Holiday for value. And so when you get Aiton and a first-round pick and, well, you know, two pick swaps, who knows? Pick swaps sometimes don't pan out, maybe often don't pan out. But you start with DeAndre Aiton, a 25-year-old center on a long-term contract to pair with Scoot Henderson, and you get a first-round pick, and you get the pick swaps, and now you got Drew Holiday to go trade, and you're probably going to get, at minimum, you're getting a first-round pick for him, but you're probably getting two first-round picks. So maybe you're getting two first-round picks and a young player who, who, who matters to you. I think Drew Holiday is going to have a lot of trade value. So I think at the end of the day, after they move Holiday, and you put it all together, I think it's going to be a great trade for Portland. Because remember, as good as Lillard is, They've been bad with Lillard for the last two years. And he was like an all-NBA, all-NBA caliber player last right. year. Right. And, and they, they were going to be on the hook for $200 million on a rebuilding team on his contract. So I think, I think it's worked out great for Portland, actually. Where do you think Drew Holiday makes the most sense? I think Drew Holiday makes sense like half the teams in the league. That's sort of, that's sort of the, the thing with it because he can play on or off the ball. He can defend at least three positions at an elite level, and so you could literally put Drew Holiday on any team in the NBA, and like, and, and he would make them better. Um, and so we'll see. I think the obvious teams to bring up are Miami and Philadelphia. Um, those are teams that have yep. been in the mix for a lot of this stuff already. I sort of wonder, like, if if Portland wouldn't trade Damian Lillard for what Miami had to offer, are they going to trade Drew Holiday for what Miami has to offer? So I don't know about that. I think the most obvious trade, I don't know whether it'll happen, but the most obvious trade is a three-way trade with Portland, Philadelphia, and the Clippers. And you get Harden going to the Clippers, you yeah. get Drew Holiday going to Philly, and they both send first-round picks along with whatever salary match to Portland. And that seems like that's the deal out there that would satisfy 
that would sort of, that sort of tie up a lot of loose ends around the league right now. That seems the obvious thing, but I could see any number of teams. Like I could see Orlando making sense. I mean, I floated this out privately to somebody yesterday, but like, if I if you're Denver, would you trade Michael Porter Jr. straight up for Drew Holiday? I think I kind of would, even though you just won a title. So I don't know. I think I think Drew Holiday could work anywhere. I think the question for me on that is, what do I know about the back? Like, that, well, that that is the reason I would be looking to do that. I'd be looking to sell high. Yes, on, on exactly. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, if I if in my heart of hearts I don't believe, like if I think that I might have hit the ceiling, I'm with you. I think I I think I would do that. Yep. Because I think it, I, so think, I think Drew Holiday. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just reiterate, I think Drew Holiday works just about anywhere. Over at the Daily Memphian, Chris's latest piece is six areas of intrigue as we open, or as Grizzlies open training camp media day on Monday. You can hear Mark and I down there as well. Let's start with the uh, first question. Where is Ja? Where where is Ja? I, I think I think we know Ja Morant is not going to be sitting at, sitting at the table talking on Monday. To me, the interesting question is: Is Ja Morant going to be in the building on Monday? I do not know definitively the answer to that question, but my educated guess is yes that he's going to be in the building. Because remember, it's not just it's not media day is not just when players talk talk to us. It's also when they do all kinds of internal work with the team's own staff. That's that's not public. You know, they're, they're filming bits and they're doing photos and they're doing stuff. And you, you sort, you sort, it's sort of like this, this sort of, you know, car wash situation yeah. where you go to different stations and you're doing all this stuff. And my guess is he'll be doing the non-public stuff just like the other rest of the team will. And that that will be an indicator of what the situation is going to be relative to what he can and can't do. Again, that is an educated guess on my part. part. I'm not reporting that. I do not know that as a fact. But A, I think that's going to be the case. And B, regardless, we're going to find out. We're finally going to find out. We're way overdue for clarity on this, and I think we're going to get clarity whatever the, whatever the answer is. Do we suspect that he'll be able to practice with the team? My, again, my, my guess, I don't know, my guess is that he will be able to practice with the team in non-public settings. And so, like, he's not going to be at the, at the you know, the, the open practice. Right. Um, I, I, my guess is that he'll be allowed to practice with the team, and before they let media in, they'll say, okay, we're about to let media in, and then Jai exits. That's my guess. I don't know that, but, but hopefully that's something we'll get clarity on. I, again, I, I, I base that on two things. One, the NBA very explicitly said John Morant could not participate in public team activities. They did not say team activities. They said right. public team activities. Lawyers draft these statements. Every word is there for a reason. That word is there for a reason. And then just the logic of it, if you're concerned about what John Morant does when he's out on his own and you're trying to get him back on track, you don't want to completely sever him from his team. That does not seem productive to me. And so this is my assumption based on, based on, based on that line of thinking. But we'll find out on Monday. Do you think we're going to get any, any different talking points from Marcus Smart? It seems like the company line is, He's going to earn the respect of everyone. He's not coming in. To, to, do you think that that's going to be a consistent talking point? Well, I, I think maybe what's different now relative to Vegas is that at that point, the trade had just happened. Yeah. And he had not, he had, he had maybe communicated via text or phone with a couple of teammates, but he had not been around them. I'm going to assume that behind the scenes, he has now been around guys, probably been playing with guys, working out with guys. And so the process of like 
developing the relationship personally has already happened ahead of training camp, I'm going to guess. And maybe you get a different, you get more, maybe he, he talks more about like, yo, I, I was able to, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. I was able to, you know, hang out with Des yeah. or, or whatever. We, yeah. we, we've been in the gym together and that maybe you get, you get sort of different. I, I think, I think the facts have changed. So I mean, you may get some different talk because of that. I was trying to think about this. His trading for him, that's the most intriguing Grizzlies trade since what? I think the big, I mean, the big, complicated, like, Stephen Adams, Jonas Valanciunas yeah, move up in probably, the draft. Yeah, that's probably fair, yeah. Since that one, because that had so many components, that was like this weird Frankenstein's monster of you yeah. took, like, three or four different genres of NBA trade and you put them all together into one, so it was hard to know what to feel about it because it didn't, you know, there were so many different arrows pointing in so many different directions. I think it's that, and then it's, you know, it's the Mike Conley, the big Mike Conley trade. You know, we're trying to forget the Justice Winslow one, but but in retrospect, they didn't really give up much to do the Justice Winslow. They just sort of, you know, gave up money, basically, to, yeah. to, to give that a shot. Is this the most intriguing addition since Jeff Green? Like, in terms of, like, fan um, it, excitement? I think it's the most intriguing addition, at least since Steven Adams, but you probably go back further than that because... Adams had been devalued, I think, in public right. consciousness based on the season he had in New Orleans. Remember the, the original talking Ad- point from a lot of people was like, they didn't get better. They didn't get better. It's like, well, they, right, they, right. They, they ended up getting better. So if you'd gotten Steven Adams straight from Oklahoma City, it would have been a, it would have been a different reaction to that. Um, you know, I, I think, I think when, when they traded Mark for Jonas, people grew to love Jonas very quickly, but I don't think people – I don't think when the trade happened, people were excited about it. Um, and then the Conley stuff was sort of a poo-poo platter, right? I don't yeah. think like a Jay, I don't think people were like, "Wow, we got Jay Crowder, let's go." And the Jeff Green thing's probably a good call because that was an attempt via trade to find a kind of missing piece that would impact a playoff team, right? Let, let's hope this one goes better than that. Yeah, and then also, uh, let's let's discuss what are the expectations for Derrick Rose this year. I don't have many expectations. I don't even think, and maybe I'll be wrong on this. I hope I hope I am. I don't even think he's going to be playing every single night before Ja gets back. I, you know, I think there'll maybe some nights where he doesn't. You know, if it's a back to back or For sure. three and four days or that kind of stuff. You know, I, I think he will be the nominal backup point guard to start the season. Um. And I, but I wonder, I wonder even once you get it, once we, even once you get Ja back, there are going to be nights where you don't have Ja and Marcus Smart. So I don't know. I, I, I think, I mean, obviously one of the things they're hoping for is that he, he, you know, even though he, he's just now showing up, he hasn't been here 10 years, that he, he, he quickly becomes like their Udonis Haslam. Okay. Like, so like my first thought in my mind was like, I get it. It's not apples to oranges or whatever, apples to apples. The, like I just envision it more like it's the Udonis Haslam, like it's the locker room guy, the veteran presence, like to, to, like he's offering more behind the scenes than he is on the floor. Oh, I think that's I, to me. There's, there's, I have zero doubt that that that, that again, they're they're not they're they're hoping he's going to play and help them, especially to start the season. So it's not just that, but I do think if you, I do think it's more that than on the court. I really do. Chris, we really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. 
Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.